spoken word. A taste of Melbourne's diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Good morning. Welcome to Spoken Word on 3CR. My name is Tina Janukas. 3CR broadcasts from Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past and present. Today on the program we have Mahmad Aidani. Mahmad was born and grew up in Iran. As a young man, he took part in the overthrow of the Shah in 1979 before going into exile when Khomeini declared Iran an Islamic Republic which Mahmad fervently opposed. After leaving Iran, Mahmad lived for a time in Italy before arriving in Australia in the mid-1980s. Never losing sight of his revolutionary ideals, Mahmad today is a human rights advocate and an existential researcher into trauma and suffering, including that suffered by Iranian and Middle Eastern immigrants, refugees and asylum seekers who have resettled in Australia and the West. Mahmoud is also the Vice President of Penn International, Melbourne. Mahmoud has had one collection of poetry and a novel published, as well as having his plays performed at La Mama. Mahmoud, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tina. You have lived in exile from Iran for over 40 years. In your poetry, you often address the question of freedom. What does it mean for you to be a poet in exile from a country you love but where your work is banned? Hmm. Such a profound question, Tina. The first thing that comes to my mind is dictators want us to be like them, act like them, think like them. And I despise that. And I have always despised that. If I have to put into the context of your question, we need to always consciously be aware of those who want to impose their fanatical meaning in order to control our sense of freedom. That nutshell could perhaps be what I could in a very short but sweet thing to tell you. That sense is that I always think and express when I get a chance. Perhaps you could uh, read a poem that speaks to freedom. Uh, This poem uh, was written a while ago. Freedom is the most precious and sacred thing that is. It's as short as it could be but it has a lot of meaning to me, like any others. Despair has no speech, nor has the separation, but freedom has. It speaks about them to me all the time. Well, I think it definitely gives the picture of how this poem represented itself to me when I'm deeply in total uh, concentration of why I have never experienced freedom in my homeland. You grew up in Karamsha on the Iran-Iraq border, a city destroyed in the 1980 Iran-Iraq war. What you knew as a child and as a young man, your neighbourhood, your home are gone. What does this destruction do to the psyche and imagination of a poet especially one in exile who cannot mourn with those left behind or experience together more recent changes? Mm, What does it do to your psyche? 
it could totally destroy it. Of course, there are, as you know, the different forms of uh, suffering and tragedies that human being could experience, and they all are equally painful. But um, the evidence shows that there is no pain worse than losing your hometown through war. So the, the impact of that, especially in the first decade of reflecting on it, was absolutely devastating. It made me shattered any time that you could imagine. And within those situations or conditions, of course, poetry always, the way that I perceive it, always presented itself to me. And this is where I learned how, don't ask me how, that imagination for me, in order to survive, for me does not know borders. I knew I belonged to a place. That place was taken away from me. But nobody could take my imagination. And that, the notion of borders came to me. For me, this notion become, and it still is, kind of a space of nurturing that freedom that you referred to in the first question, in my being, in my existence. And I have always loved it. I am in awe of my imagination, anyone's imagination who lingers, dwells in these spaces. Would you like to read a poem uh, reflective of, of this? Sure. Um, it goes like this. I listen. I think. I reflect. Into the deep silence I go. And let the inner voice sings to itself, for itself, to me. So it's not me singing. I'm not the singer. Can you elaborate on that? I have never learned. I can sing. We all can sing. But in this case, reflecting on what I just said, responding to your previous question, imagination, and I let the inner voice sing to itself. I'm always observing that inner voice. I'm always alongside that inner voice to do whatever it wants to do for itself and to me. And that's where I come out and to the world and say what I can say. Do you have a, a poem that uh, speaks to the condition of exile? Uh, yes, an old poem. This is an old poem on exile, and I'll read it to you. In this cold, frozen silence, face to face with me, you are sitting. Whilst I am drowning in this lonely ocean of grief, I whisper to you, I have been amongst you. But where have I been? I have been from far away. But where has this far away been? I have been. But do you know what it is this I have been? Again, you can see the echo of that inner speaking to itself. I'm always become the listener. It sounds a bit strange for those who are not in the world of poetry, deep poetry. It doesn't have anything to do with mysticism, nothing to do with transcendentalism. It's you, entangled in the world which pushes you beyond you. And the poem speaks so powerfully in such a simple language. But what's 
is significant to me in poetry, particularly in poetry, is the images and how the emotion carries them and delivers. There's a poem I'd love you to read, and it's uh, called I Have Always Been Thinking of You. Mm. Okay, thanks. Uh, hmm. I have always been thinking of you. I have always been thinking of you. Well, I learned how to write my name for the first time. When I looked at my father and mother's poor and proud faces. When I was going to bed hungry at night in that rented mudroom. When they dressed me in those old oversized second-hand clothes. When they told me they didn't have money to buy me a pair of new shoes. When at school, my teachers told me I would never be anybody because I was poor. When one of them told me a child from my background never learns what education is all about. When I said to one of them in high school how much I love poetry and philosophy, he laughed at me. When I walked in the rain in the lanes and streets of my city and near the banks of the river, that passed through it. When I think of solitude, when I think of joy, happiness and love, when thinking of those who tormented me, when I think of those who loved me, when I sat on those old jetties and looked at birds flying away to unknown places so freely, when I read all those books in parks and on public benches in my city, when I began to learn how to speak other languages, when I think of those complex philosophical texts so passionately struggling to read and understand their contents all over the years, when I feel lonely in exile, when I wandered in Paris streets, this city of light lost and hungry, when I reached the point of not knowing which direction I had to take, when I think of suffering and trauma, when I think of survival and resilience, when I think of the will to learn and think, when I was so lonely and desperate, when I think how many times I wanted to go back home, when I think how I resisted so hard against the temptations, when I worked as a grave digger in Perugia to earn money so I could feed myself, when I think of arriving at Bellissima Bologna for the first time and how I instantaneously fell in love with it. When I look up a different world to understand what it means. When I look down at Firenze from the top of beautiful Fisole. When I read Dante, Pirandello, Beckett, Proust, Calvino, Omar Khayyam and so many others, authors, work. When I felt abandoned and deeply misunderstood, when I get happy, when I think of my youth, when I walked those long distances in different cities all alone, when I look at the hills, the stars in the sky, when I sought protection under trees, when I sat in cafes in Rome and looked at the strangers passing by, when I thought and think of war and my ruined city, when I thought and think of my mother dying in solitude without me being able to be near her, when I woke up 
so many times from terrible nightmares, when I sang the most beautiful songs to myself, when I smiled, when I cried, when I laughed, when I wrote and write, when I thought and think of these long and arduous exile from home, when I think of friends I have lost, when I think how much I have lost and sacrificed, when I think of how much I have missed and achieved, I have always thought and think of you too. Freedom and justice. That is an amazing poem, inspired, moving, and full of the trauma of what you have experienced. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, um, this is the first time that I read it out loud. And um, I was thinking about the genesis of this poem. And of course, the poem speaks for itself. It almost become irrelevant. <laughs> I was in a very, very... Uh, Difficult. You always are in difficult situation. But as a poet, as a thinker, when the difficulty takes its own appropriate shape, <laughs> it has its uniqueness and it has its devastative uh, demand. I needed to do something with that demand, and this poem came and just poured out of me, out of control. And reading it, I realized how a poem comes with all its substance and its unique voice. You just become a carrier. Well, so that's that, certainly an inspired poem. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's, um, I'm lucky, privileged that it came out of me and even more grateful that you gave me this opportunity to actually read it in public because I, I never thought I could read this poem in public in these things. You need to be in absolute trust in the situation in which you read these kind of things. It's not just, I like to write poetry. Published or Not has been around for years, but now Jan Goldsmith is joined by... David McLean. We will chat about words and writing, authors and audiences, publishers and printing, a voice for them all on 3CR. Published or Not, every Thursday, 11.30 till noon. Welcome back. You're listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. I'm Tina Janukas and I'm speaking with Mahmoud Aidani about fleeing Iran's autocratic state and living as an exile in the West for more than 40 years. Mahmoud, your imagination when you were growing up was infused with the poetry of Persia, the ancient name for Iran, especially the Sufi poets like Rumi, Hafiz and Omar Khayyam. How do you carry them with you in exile even now? Ooh, um, well, each culture carries its profound sense of connection to its poetry and, of course, profound reflection of its great minds through its philosophy. So the names that you just mentioned, and there are list of them, but you definitely got the key ones, uh, has played great role in my forming my emotional, in the way that I look or began to look at the world around me, despite of what socioeconomic I came from, who I was in terms of things. But reading them allowed me to go deeper into what then was fermenting in my imagination that you would call my culture. 
And it was then that I realized a culture really deeply ingrained in a language. And the poetry is this music of that language. I think poetry to me is far more important than music. It is the poetry that musician put song to and sing with the beautiful voices. But I need to make a point here. I feel far closer to Omar Khayyam in our poetry. I always have troubled, troubled with uh, Rumi, particular Rumi, because I like poetry which directly names the reality, as you just heard me. Khayyam does. It's one of those poets that has more brevity and more courage and profoundly poetic philosophy. And I identify with it. Even his poetry is simpler. But all these things have affected me enormously. And I think I can see beneath my own poetry, they're always lurking, of course. But to finish this, um, I also am very indebted to our modern contemporary poetry, particularly a uh, wonderful poet called Furuk Farukhzad, a woman, and others. So, yeah. That's an uh, Iranian poet. Yeah, yeah. She, mm. she is the bravest female poet that you could imagine coming from our part of the world. She's the one who directly talked about her body and how to want it to have access to it. And her poetry is profoundly in the context of her femininity, her body, and the society in which tries to denounce it, ignore it, even those who pretend to care for it. So mm-hmm. it's very significant. It had a huge impact on me alongside strong women that I grew up with to give me ideas and feeling about how significant women are in our society. When you left Iran, you had no idea what would happen to you. What was it like wandering in the wilderness, so to speak, before finally making a home in exile in Australia? Hmm. Lost. Lost. You felt lost? Absolutely. I, I would sense myself, obviously. If I reflect on those days, I was just only 21, still absolutely green but packed by revolution <laughs> in my head and my thoughts without knowing that I need decades to reflect on that almost volcanic circumstances in which I found myself and then I was in somewhere else. So it was extremely hard. It was extremely hard. And that wandering, I would say, always carried this shattering and demanding. As a matter of fact, when I reflect on it, so how did I continue to live Mm -hmm. and that's uh, a question that always uh, not bothered me but made me feel "Mm, there are individuals and there are many of us who found some ways to go on and one of the things that encouraged me to go on was I never let our enemies to have the last laugh because they want us to go. When you left Iran you went to Europe isn't that right and you lived in Italy Italy was the only country then for, so you would say, a poor um, individual like me who could go. And I was lucky to be able to um, grant a visa to go there. But I wandered then to Paris for a while, wandered on the streets of Paris. But that's, uh, Some people think these kind of things are very romantic, but they're not really. <laughs> yeah, I went to Italy and I loved it. Have you written about this aspect of your experience? I have. And I have talked about it here and there, but um, recently I've been reflecting on it, maybe maybe now that I'm ready to reflect because memories are still alive. And uh, I, I just 
went through all the mess that I have uh, put together and found a poem uh, called Panino. Maybe that reflects the hunger that I experienced. And I'd like to share it with you, if that's okay. Yes, please. Yeah. It's Panino. I put my hat on my head. My back was on my shoulder. I was at the Roma Termini station. I went into the crowd searching for some food. I looked at those strangers, strange faces searching for a familiar face. I could not see anyone I knew. I was afraid of the carabinieri who were present everywhere, so I kept my head down all the time. I saw people saluting each other. As I did not know anyone, I saluted no one. A few times I approached some people to ask them a question. They looked in a hurry, so they did not stop. After a while, trying, it was in the middle of the station where someone responded to my call and decided to stop. Kekozavoy, I said to her, I'm hungry. Where can I get some food? She looked at me and said, Do you know anybody here? I said, No. She thought for a second, then put her hand in her bag and brought a panino out while smiling, handed it to me and said, Questa è per te. Embarrassed by what I heard and saw, I lowered my head down. I did not know what to say. I took the panino from her hand and quickly said, Grazie, and vanished into the crowd. It was late. 1979. I had just arrived in Rome. I'm very moved by that poem and Thank you. by all the poems you've been reading today and astonished at how you have dealt with such incredibly difficult experiences. I wonder about how you work as a poet. Is a poem an artefact that you rework until you get it right? as a work of art, or judging from your poetry, is it something closer to the bone of your authentic psychological experience? And I suppose in this sense, do you write in, uh, in Farsi and then translate into English, or do you write directly in English these days? Before I answer the second part of your uh, question, which is, I think, is very significant, poetry to me is not about chit-chats. Um, and self-pitying. It's not about going and learning how to write poetry. I just don't understand how can you learn to write poetry. Poetry is the last voice that we got. And poetry is always, even if you are excessively joyful, it's about the most excruciating human emotions. Hopefully the poet is capable to bring that to the imagery. So um, it is about the essence of what I am, what we are, in a sense. Whether I can express it fully or not. I don't plan it. For me, I, mean, I know we're talking about poetry, for me, that matter, even in philosophy, one constantly evolves towards uh, the end. There's nothing romantic about it, but the reality. Maybe, maybe, even reflecting on the question, that maybe from the very early days on Neo, I was going. Hmm? Mm. I'm still going. So that is where I think the poetry seems to rest with people, individual like me, with all those experiences that we just reflected among. 
So it is good to be always conscious that it is coming. And moments in which they come, that brings that poem with all its entire forms, voice and the meaning and the messages. So within that, I don't sit and think whether I want to write a poem in Persian or not, but I always feel that sense of mother. It's amazing we call it mother. There is no voice far more stronger than the voice of mother. And the mother tongue is always carries you with it. So within that sense, I write in Persian, and then I've been privileged to put myself in a position to be able to write in English, sometimes even in Italian. But these three languages almost become like, as if I've got three mothers now. <laughs> it depends when they decide to say to come and say hello. <laughs> it's good to put a little humor here. But in that sense, I think the poem comes. That's that's answer made me to reflect about this poem. That might be actually a better answer. It's called poem. There is a unique moment when a poem chooses to emerge from my consciousness. A poem is like a deep connection with a friend and the world I know. A poem protects me from all the hurts and misunderstandings I experience in the world. A poem cares for me against the injustice and violence I endure and witness. A poem comes to me with its profound message to remind me of who I am. The poetry and I are profoundly connected. A poem talks to me freely and without apprehension and fear. When it comes, a poem speaks to me with simplicity to calm me down. A poem reveals to me the emotions and their complex meanings inside my being. I take so much comfort when a poem comes to me. A poem encourages me to keep saying to myself, regardless of everything, you must say yes to life. When a poem comes to me, it doesn't tell me how long it has been patiently waiting to be ready for its turn to arrive. So it doesn't tell us. Poetry doesn't tell us. I think other poets hopefully would agree with that. I hope you as a poet would agree with that. But uh, for me, I'm in awe when it comes. Where were you? Sometimes giving the voice to the poem, I've been waiting for 35 years, maybe 100 years, decided to land in you. <laughs> so those kind of things, you start having those reflections, and then you say, okay, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. In Iran today, there is another revolution happening where young women and young men are willing to die for a society free of autocratic repression. What would you say to them? I'm glad that you asked me these questions. You see, the opposition against this autocratic fundamentalist religious regime began from February, March of 1979. And we have lost and sacrificed so much throughout all these dark years. But this generation, and particularly women, leading this revolution is further and further strengthening our hope. But the brutality of regime to maintain its own obsession with its ideology and worldview is so heart-wrenching and so difficult to describe. But 
the resilience, the determination of Iranian people in this case, particularly young people and women. We have already lost so much since the murdering of uh, Mahsa Amini in September, last September, by the moral religious police. We are hopeful, and you have to be hopeful, but they are brutalizing our young people and anyone who questioned the system. But as um, Emil Zola said, the truth is that dictators will not last forever. I love his reflection on truth when he says, the truth is on the march, and nothing will stop it. Or, paraphrasing him, he says, if you shut up the truth and bury it underground, it will grow, it will but grow. So that is what I think, ultimately, we are human beings and we have enough resilience to carry on. Hopefully they will go tomorrow, but... <laughs> I'm Tina Janukas and I've been talking with Mamad Aidani on 3CR's Spoken Word program. Spoken Word broadcasts every Thursday at 9am on 8.55am on your radio or live stream 3cr.org.au or you can download and listen to the podcast of the show. If you want to hear more of Mamad Aidani's poetry, Mamad will be reading from his work at La Mama Poetica on Tuesday 28th March. Thank you for listening.